I'll start today using one of the verses that Pastor Chris used last Sunday when he preached about simplicity as our prayer for this morning, for our, our meeting here. It goes like this. Lord, I want to ask that my speech and my message may not be in words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power, so that our faith may not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Uh, so that's my prayer this morning, that what we're going to go through be based on God's word and that we'll be hearing his, his voice this morning. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you sometimes ask for people to, to pray for you? Do you pray for other people sometimes? Maybe a family member, maybe your pastor. Uh, if we lived in the days that Jesus was walking around on the earth and we had the opportunity to meet him, would you take the opportunity to ask him to pray for you? I guess I would, right? Well, actually, even though we were not there when he was walking on the earth, he prayed for us in a very specific way. And that's what we're going to cover this morning. It was short of saying your name there, which would have made a very long prayer if he would mention everybody's name. But you're going to see how, how close... It, it was from being that specific. Uh, Pastor Chris gave me the opportunity to preach, and he said, uh, you don't need to do one of the summer orientation uh, topics. He is covering those as he, he goes. So this is kind of a standalone, but the, the message that the Lord put in my heart to, to share matches quite nicely what we have been covering in our summer orientation. And it's something that has caught my attention. Years ago, I call it the day Jesus prayed for you. And it's based on uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. So I really would ask you to have your Bibles open or your devices. Uh, there are Bibles on the back there. We use the ESV translation. If you be prepared for that, uh, because I think it's going to be that important. I sometimes say that if we ever get persecution and the authorities are coming and saying, hey, we're going to confiscate everybody's Bibles. You cannot have a Bible uh, at home. Guns are fine, but Bibles are not. So we're going to confiscate all, all those. I would try before the authorities come to get my, the page of John 17 and rip out of my Bible. You were afraid I was going to rip the Bible on the pulpit today, and I'm not doing that, okay? Uh, I would take that chapter and try to hide, because you're going to see as we go through it that it basically summarizes Jesus' ministry. It summarizes the gospel in a way that not many other chapters condense that in, in, a, in a way like this one. Let's put in context what's going on here. The Apostle John dedicates almost half of his book to the last week of Jesus here on earth. I mean, if you think, chapter 12, I mean, the book has 21 chapters. Chapter 12 is Jesus' triumphal entry in Jerusalem. So it's already part of that last week. Chapter 13 is the Last Supper, when Jesus is with the disciples uh, 
there for the Last Supper. Then 14, 15, and 16 is Jesus' personal training for his disciples. He's now with the 11th. Judas Cariotis has left. They are probably still in the upper room where they had the Last Supper. And Jesus goes through. I mean, if your Bible has those red letters for what Jesus is talking about, 14, 15, 16, 17 are almost all red because it's Jesus' summer orientation to his disciples before he would be, he would be gone. He goes through a level of depth in doctrine and, and explanation of the theology that he had not done that before. But he's in a very special moment now because the Jews have officially rejected him. So he is now with that small group and he's starting what would become the, the church there. Chapter 17, obviously, is the one that we're going to cover today. Jesus' priestly, high priestly prayer. Then on chapter 18, he's being arrested. Chapter 19, it's his death. And then 20 and 21, his resurrection and final instructions. So I hope you can picture this. Probably Jesus is still in the upper room with the 11 disciples. And he's going through this whole sequence of uh, teachings. Now, keep with me imagining what's going on. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Chapter 17, it's just before he's going to be arrested. So imagine in his mind, he knows what's coming up as 100% God. He knows the physical suffering he's going to go through. Right? I mean, he's, he knows he's going to be arrested, he's going to be flogged, he's going to be crucified. He knows the psychological uh, abuse that he's going to go through in the next several hours. I mean, being humiliated, being uh, abandoned by those that, that were with him. Above all, he knew the spiritual suffering that was coming. Right? I mean, he would take all our sins on his shoulder in a few hours after this moment that we're going to be covering today. He would have the feel of being forsaken by the Father, which he had never had for all eternity past. So this is an absolutely critical moment. But obviously, he could already see on the other side of that if those events that were happening as well, that he would be soon back with uh, the Father in glory. Now, imagine that on the same uh, page that he is 100% God knowing what's coming up. He's 100% man. Imagine the swirl of emotions that is going through his heart at this, this moment, these last hours that he is with the disciples and particularly the moment that he has these prayers. You're going to notice that his emotions and the transition in his heart is so clear that uh, he flows between the tenses of the verb, between the past, the present, and the future in a kind of almost a strange way in this, in this prayer because in his mind, he is ready. He is about to be going through that, complete the mission that he was uh, given by the Father. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's fairly long. So I invited Brother Scott to 
read it for us because I think Jesus' voice sounded more like his than like mine. So I invited him to, to read the chapter. So please follow, pay attention. We're going to go through it uh, right after that. The Gospel of John, the 17th chapter. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, and they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. And we're going to go through this 
the, the style that we like to do it here in an expository way. So if you're taking notes, uh, there are kind of three parts in this prayer that Jesus makes. Verses 1 through 5, he prays for himself primarily. 6 through 19, he prays for his disciples. And then 20 to 26, he prays for all believers. Now, there are some foundational things that should be on the surface in our brains as we go through this. The Apostle John himself, in the beginning of his gospel, he makes it very clear that Jesus Christ was God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A mystery there was with God and was God. So, very clear there. John also uh, makes it clear that Jesus is not just a special man. He is God incarnated as man. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, so let's understand who we are talking about here, not a wise man making a very beautiful uh, prayer. Paul puts probably the best way in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, when he says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, all this will appear through the chapter 17 as we go through, that Jesus left his glory, that he came as a man, that he was about to complete the, the, the mission that he will, willfully submitted to from the Father, and he will soon be back with the Father. So we're going to go through it, please. I hope you're sitting there comfortable. It's going to take a little while because we're going to uh, analyze all 26 verses. He starts by saying, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Throughout the Gospels, there are many situations that Jesus makes reference to the hour. In many cases, he will say, well, my hour has not come yet, or this is not the hour, or the hour will come. So we are now in a very special moment of his ministry because he starts this prayer saying, the hour has come. I mean, this is big. Okay, let's not miss that because it's, it's something really special. He's obviously talking about the hour of the summit of his mission here when he will be arrested, he'll be killed in a cross, and he'll be resurrected, and he would be going back to the Father. So that's the hour that he is uh, referring to. And that's interesting that if you pay attention, or we're going to go through it again, Jesus' focus is on the glory that's on the other side of these events that will be happening in the next few hours, next few days. He's looking at the other side. He is talking about glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. He's talking about the glorification that's coming on the other side. Verse 2 and 3. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you gave him, and this is the eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
So first of all, Jesus clarifies what was his mission here through to bring eternal life to those that the Father had given him. And uh, I, I tried to develop, I mean, it, being in the corporate world for so many years, I had more than once the opportunity to sit down and develop like mission statements and things like that for departments or the company and, and all that. So got to a point, and I've mentioned this before here, that I decided to develop a mission statement for myself, for my life. And I wrote it like this, to know and glorify God through Jesus Christ in a contagious way. And I think it's interesting because it serves as a gauge for me when I'm making decisions in life, if I'm going to say, should I do this or that? Should I buy this or that? Should I invest time on this or that? I can go back to, to, glorif to know and glorify God through Jesus Christ in a contagious way. So is this or that that I'm going to do going to contribute to this mission that I have in my life? So Jesus is talking about his mission to come give eternal life to those that the Father had uh, given him. Verse 4 and 5. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Notice the first interesting moment. I, I talked about this fluid thing about the tense of the, the, the verbs and all that. Jesus starts there saying, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Well, wait a minute. There's a very important part of the work that God gave you to do. That's going to happen in the next several hours. You're not done yet. But I think Jesus is so ready to go back to the Father. He is seeing all that he has done that to a point he is considering it done at, uh, at that point. And again, you could go back to the verses that we read from the first chapter of John or uh, the one from Philippians, and we would see this is getting the conclusion of that. Jesus clearly saying, the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus had been with God. He has been God since before creation started with the whole glory, but... He accepted the mission and leaving behind several of his attributes as God to come here, live as a man, to be able to, to complete the mission that God gave him. So that will take us to the second block. I mean, this first block, Jesus was praying for himself. Let's see verses 6 through 8 now. <clears throat> I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept my word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and that they have believed that you sent me. So, again, he is transitioning from praying for him to praying for his followers. And he gives hints of a big scenario that if we would have time to detour to Ephesians 1, 
it would become even more clear. God chose Jesus redeemed the Holy Spirit seals. Okay, so that is appearing very clearly. Jesus is many times making reference, saying, they were yours, you gave them to me. So God chose those, those people. Jesus came, did the redeeming mission, and after this, it's still in the future of this, the sequence of events, the Holy Spirit would come and seal those that are with him. Verses 9 and 10. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. There are two, two things that I want to highlight from this verse. First of all, it's not unusual, as Jesus is speaking throughout his ministry, that sometimes he's speaking about the Jews, Sometimes he's speaking about the whole world. Sometimes he's speaking about his followers. Uh, and it's important as we read to discriminate that because it makes a big difference that we don't take a message that he has for the unfaithful Jewish leaders and apply that to, to us. Uh, so in this case, he makes it very clear. I am not praying for the whole humanity. I'm praying for these. Again, remember he's in the upper room with the 11 uh, disciples there and the second part that he says that it's 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 great what a privilege he says i am glorified in them jesus is talking about his glorification going back to the position of glory he had with the father before and he's saying in them those that you gave me and i came and rescued that's how i am being glorified now so we are part of the glorification process of Jesus Christ. That's special. I mean, that's not a small thing. I mean, that's a, a privilege that he gave us. Verse 11 and 12. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep, in, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has, has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture may be fulfilled. So again, this, remember that I made a comment. Jesus is saying, I am no longer in the world. The disciples, we can see you. I mean, he's still there. He's obviously still there with the, the disciples, but... He is in this transition phase, ready for the next, uh, the next phase. And another thing that I want to bring from the text here, he says that they may be one, even as we are one. Can you imagine that? I mean, he is praying for unity of his followers at the level of his unity with the Father. So... That's almost beyond comprehension, right? That we may be offered a unity with, among ourselves and with the Father at the level of his unit with the Father. I mean, that's, that's, that's beyond comprehension. Verse 13. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy 
fulfilled in themselves. Okay. Uh, previous verse, he said, I'm no longer in the world. Here he says, these things I speak in the world. So again, he's in this transition uh, phase that I, that I talked before. And then, yes. and then he says, that my joy may be fulfilled in them. Now, understand what's coming up. I mean, those disciples that are hearing this prayer, they're going to go through a very confusing, very painful time. They're going to see their master, their leader being arrested, being flogged, being killed on a cross. And Jesus is saying that they may have complete joy. Well, it doesn't feel like complete joy what they're going to be going through in the next few days. So, I want us to pause a little bit here and take a look. Maybe in your life, in my life, right now, it may not feel that everything is great. Maybe we are going through a moment that, are pain, that is painful, that is confusing, that we may not understand completely what's going on. Jesus is proposing here the complete joy of knowing what's on the other side. Again, he was going to go through that painful scenario uh, in, the, in the near future. The disciples were going through that. But he is proposing the complete joy of knowing him, of knowing what's coming ahead. Verse 14 through 16. <clears throat> I have given them your word. And the world has hated, the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Thank you. So, you see here that Jesus transitions from telling the disciples, asking the Father that the disciples would have complete joy. In the next verse, he's saying, the world has hate them. And if you go back to, to chapters 14, 15, 16, Jesus explores that a lot. He even says, well, the focus of the hatred has been on me, but now it's going to be on you because I'll be gone. So, <clears throat> he is making this promise of complete joy, even in a world that the disciples will be hated. We have to remind ourselves that we are aliens here. This is not our permanent place. When my family and I first moved from Brazil in 1994, we first had the visa with a working permit. Then after a couple of years, we got our green card, which, by the way, it's pink. If, I don't know if it still is. It was in 96, it was pink. Uh, and it said on it, resident alien. I felt like E.T. I... <laughs> then eventually we became citizens and, uh, and that. But I want to highlight this time when we were resident aliens. And it's almost as, I mean, I felt like almost as the U.S. was saying, you can stay here, that's fine. 
But you know, you don't belong here. <laughs> That's kind of the message of like labeling ourselves as resident aliens. So that's kind of a good representation of what we are doing in this world. I mean, Jesus explores that very clearly in this. We are here, but we don't belong here. This is our temporary place. We're not going to get full citizenship here like I and my family did. Uh, our, our citizenship is in heaven like Paul describes. Verse 17 through 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Okay, so now Jesus is here talking about a sanctification process. Okay, they, God chose Jesus redeemed us. Now we go through a process of sanctification. And how is that done? Through the word. I mean, the word of God, that's how we get sanctified. That's why we here every Sunday, we open the word and we want to grasp what is the message from the word to, to us. Not uh, an interesting idea that uh, Pastor Chris or Pastor Seth or myself uh, might have. Uh, I read a quote that was a tribute to D.L. Moody, but it's also a tribute to John Bunyan. So I don't know who which one of the two, the two wrote it. But one of these two guys apparently wrote on the cover of their Bible, either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. The word of God will sanctify us. So either we stay away from it and don't allow that to, to happen in our lives or we submit to it, and by that process, we, we have this sanctification that Jesus is praying for here on uh, verse 17. Um, two Sundays ago, if you were here, Pastor Chris, in the summer orientation, he preached about uh, our mission and going to the world, going to our neighborhoods, to our job, to our schools, to our, uh, our place. That was a clear message of what is expected by us when Jesus is saying, as you have sent me to the world, so I have sent them into the world. We, are, we have a mission here. We're not here sailing through life, waiting for the end of it so we can maybe go and meet the Lord. That's not the goal. We are here on a mission. Jesus came, a very difficult mission that he had to, to do, the Father had assigned to him. And we are here on a mission as well. Verse 20 and 21. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. If you notice... As we were looking at the previous verses, I progressively started changing the word his followers to us. And verse 20 gives me the authority to do that. And that's the reason in the title of the message I said, the day Jesus prayed for you. Did you pay attention? He says, I do not ask only for these, the 11 that were in front of him as he was praying, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Through the word of the disciples. 
it would go, would go, would reach Worcester. That's when I said that it, it was short of Jesus praying for you with your name mentioned on the prayer. Again, it, it would be a, a real long one, but uh, and so that's the cool factor of this chapter, that Jesus is specifically knowing what's, what's coming, knowing that you would be here today. He, he said, I'm praying for those as well. And he is praying for unity, again, that we may be one with the Father the way the Father is one with him. It's special. I mean, it's, it's not a small thing. Verse 22 and 23, and we're getting closer to the end. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And in them, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, and loved them even as you loved me. Verse 23 has a shocking statement there. Jesus says that the world may know that you have sent me. That's fine. We talk a lot about this. And love them even as you loved me. Wow. The Father loves you and I with the same level that he loves Jesus the Son. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing. I mean, even with the same even as you loved me. I mean, this is, this is beyond. Uh, and if you uh, imagine Jesus is talking this to the disciples, they probably don't fully understand the whole meaning of this. But John is capturing this, this prayer, obviously with the help of the Holy Spirit, so we could today be looking at it. Verse 24. Father... I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Look at this, how great this verse is. I mean, we sometimes we read the Bible and we fly by verses and we don't stop to, to pay attention. Jesus is about to go back to the Father. To receive back the full glory that he had, that he emptied himself to come as a man. Okay? He's about to go back to the full glory. We can't even conceive this. I mean, if you read Isaiah when he's in the temple, uh, in chapter 6 of uh, Isaiah, he sees the glory of, the, of God in the temple. And that's a mind-blowing experience for him there. Jesus is about to go back to the Father and receive back the, the glory that he left behind. He opened himself to not have all the attributes of God to be here as a man. He's about to go back. And, and he says, I want my followers to see me with that glory. Imagine, I mean, he has been with this man for three years now. And they have seen Jesus incarnated as a man. He, they have... Uh, spent a lot of time with him by the fire, probably cooking some fish there by the Sea of Galilee. Now Jesus is saying, I'm going to go back to my full glory. Lord, I want this to be with me and to see me in this full glory. Again, can you imagine that, guys? That, that, that's 
something beyond what we can imagine. Verse 25 and 26. O righteous Father, even though, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So, that's it. Jesus was sent by the Father to make the Father's name known to complete this redemptive mission. We were the target of Jesus' redemptive mission all the time. That's why he came. So he can be glorified by us accepting his name and, and, and the message that he brought to me. So listen to me as I conclude here. If you have been called into this relationship with the Father, or if you are now being called, I pray that your heart may be ripping open by the Holy Spirit right now so you understand that this is the relationship that he planned for us, an eternal, personal, intimate relationship with the God, the triune God that created the whole universe. That's what's being offered to us. Guys, I, mean, I think we should run out of here and start screaming about it because, again, this, this is so special. If Pastor Chris was here, he would say, hallelujah, sweet mercy. <laughs> Did I impersonate him reasonably? Okay. Okay. So I hope that you understand now why I love this prayer and maybe why I get overly excited going through this, overly enthusiastic. I hope that you can be as enthusiastic as I am about this prayer that Jesus made. In his name, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you because you reveal yourself to us through your word. And we, we thank you that you sent Jesus for this rescue mission, Lord, because you have chosen us to, to have this relationship with you and one day to be in your presence and to see your glory and the glory of Jesus Christ, uh, that the glory that he has had with you since before the world began, Lord. We thank you for your message. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us understand the message for us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.